Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing the 13th of June. So with Andrew away on a bit of a crop tour up north, I've taken the reins. What I will say is that all the values I'm about to give you are pre-USDA. So there's a USDA report out today, Friday the 10th of June at 5pm. So we'll run through the values, but um, if the USDA does something crazy, this market report could sound a little bit out of kilter. Anyway, old crop. On the old crop feed wheat, we're starting to see more feed wheat come out of the woodwork. I mean, values at the minute X farm are around about 280, 285, but buyers are disappearing quickly, certainly as we edge closer to new crop and seems to be very little demand about. That's reflected in feed barley. I mean, old crop feed barley, there are no buyers around at the minute. It looks like the only value is the as available new crop value, but even then, you know, no one's going to buy it now to store it's just feed barley could overhang the market so that's just one to keep an eye on on the new crop prices they've continued to edge down this week on the back of a bit of demand destruction and crops generally looking quite well november x farm feed wheat is around 290 pounds a ton what i would say is that a good soft wheat and milling wheat group one and two those premiums are holding and actually that market could look quite good depending on what happens with the French wheats. If they continue to get sporadic heavy downpours and and weather issues, their wheat quality may well suffer. So domestically produced sort of quality wheats could see premiums holding up. I think malting barley crops in Scandinavia are okay, but uh, in France, again, they could be suffering. So premiums on malting barleys could look quite attractive and could find support. New crop feed barley well. As I said, the only demand really is the shipping market. And what are we looking at there? I mean, feed barley at the minute is probably £30 under feed wheat. Later in the season, feed barleys may well find a bit of support, but certainly that early part of the season, feed barley is going to be under pressure, especially with the overhang from the old crop feed barley market. Oilseed rape prices have drifted down on the back of soya prices coming down. There we've seen that, again bit of demand destruction you know the values have just got so high demands rolled back and we've seen the prices have edged down today oilseed rate delivered store for as available is going to be around 634 i mean these values are still very good and they have come down from very high levels but i just think at the minute malaysia are saying that they've got an awful lot of palm to get rid of and ship and that could overhang the market and it's just adding pressure to the oilseed complex There's a lot still to play out. I mean, you read a lot about more countries looking to use bioethanol in their fuel blends to try and reduce their reliance on crude oil. But those plans are still down the line and the market is reacting on news that it's getting now. So that is it. And have a a good trading week. Okay, thanks, Blaine. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
advertising on this podcast works. Yeargrain Central Grain Store is delighted to announce that all available storage capacity has now been sold. If you want sales and success, please contact East Coast Design Studio on 01603-728-978. This week I have got Ian and Ben. We're going to have a fairly long conversation about where we're at in terms of the marketplace. There's lots and lots of things that have been going on. To set the scene of the last week, a week ago the market dropped as we went into the Platinum Jubilee weekend, it dropped £30 a tonne. On Monday morning, it went up 20 On Tuesday, it went down 14 Last night, it went down a couple of quid. And today, as we record, it is a couple of quid down again. So I think overall, we're about 25 down, 26 down from where we were from when we've previously recorded. So it's been a very exciting week, hasn't it? Hello. Yeah, volatile. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we oh. did call it. A bit, didn't we? we? No, we did, yeah. Well, which which bit? The bit that went up or the bit that went down? Everyone's a winner in this. Yeah, I knew it was going to go up. Certainly Monday morning, £20.50 up by the end of the day was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was due to the corridor supposedly being shut off again, wasn't it? Hang on, there was the corridor, there was the missile strike on a silo. For those in the future that are listening in 200 years' time to this classic How the World Turns in the 2000s, the corridor is a negotiated bit between war-torn Ukraine and the rest of the world where the mines are removed by the Ukrainians the Russians promise not to come in and murder more people and then grain is allowed to leave so the rest of the world can have a cheaper grain price. Yeah. And under the guise of Russia being accused of targeting the rest of the world to starve them by grain price. I think what the Russians are doing is using the threat of starvation to try and get themselves to win the war. In the meantime they are stealing quite a lot of grain from Ukraine. Allegedly. No, no, the Russians have said we are loading grain out of Russian-occupied Ukraine. So they have admitted it, but they're not stealing it because they own the That's land. Exactly. The word stealing was the one I did the allegedly for because yeah. I don't want a nuke on my silos in Alsham. There was a comment I read in an article last night, I think it's um, AgriSense, was one of the email ones that come through, and the comment was that money is going to Ukrainian farmers, but there is absolutely no way of proving that. <laughs> so, yeah. The war is going on. Speculation, second guess on a psycho. We don't know what he's going to do next. It looks like that. You know, history dictates that the Russians grind on forever and ever and ever until everything's flat, and then they'll declare victory. But that particular item, for want of a better word, is going to just be there. None of us have got experience about what happens next. We don't know what the, the outcome of that. So there it hangs as a dark cloud over everyone's. You know, it could. We be should at least assume there's six months at the very least left to go yeah on the basis of the knowledge we haven't got he might get bored he might rather i don't know whatever so that is the backbone of a market that has 20 pound rallies on the back of a statement from a president what are the other influences the next biggest one is the weather okay what were you going to say ben sorry oil price oil is related to the war yeah but the oil price is enormous at the minute and yeah okay let's go with weather thank you (laughs) Thank you. I, lo- right. I love working in a democracy. <laughs> it's stop in there. It's 100% weather over oil. Definitely. Right, at the moment, the rain that has just occurred <laughs> in our part of the world has been an absolute godsend. Well, it is a godsend because he's in charge of the weather. But bigger UK crop, for sure. Mm. Slightly sensitive to the guys on Lightland, a bit. 
It's oh. my caring side so, coming out there. Since he's become a parent, honestly. <laughs> no, there is. There are some yeah. polite land bits that, that it will struggle to come back. I do think there's chance for some cracking crops on I, certain land types. Let's talk about the light land stuff that will come out. I think that stuff was not completely dead. They're patches that look pretty gruesome, but I think they aborted tillers... And I think the grains, because the grains are pr- very, you know, the cereal plant is prolific and somehow clings on. It's managed to get rain at a point where it can go to the head and give some grain fill. Yeah. So those weedy, nasty little patchy bits are going to have some half-decent yeah. kilo. With some nice sun out, we've got lovely blue skies. So it's, you know, rain and some blue skies, grain-filling moment, hopefully. It's getting poetic now, isn't it? I know. Rain makes grain, Ian. Yeah. And blue skies make pies. Anyway, so... <laughs> Point is, it's a bigger UK crop. If you get a twenty percent upswing in the grain yield, and again, people get emotional about this sort of statement, but just like say ten percent increase in grain yield on a three hundred pound a ton crop, that's a thirty pounds improvement in return. So if the market drops twenty pounds on the basis of there's a bigger crop, you're still winning. Please understand that. You know, you can't be poor. Because you're, you know, the price has dropped 20 quid whilst getting more money in the long run. That's an important point. That's why the sentiment changes. And there is a bigger UK crop coming and therefore sentiment is therefore weaker. And it's, it's the buyers can see that just as much as you can see that. You can't hide it or pretend it isn't happening. So our country is pretty irrelevant in the great plan of things. Yep. So what do we look to next? The EU crop? Well, the Frenchies, that's been a critical one to it. And they've had serious weather issues, haven't they, to a point... <laughs> But I think they've now had a role reversal and they've now had torrential rains and heavy hailstorms. I mean, there is the odd comment of 100% crop losses in certain places. So is that where we're at? The French... I don't see it as a bullish story. The crop losses, because it's probably very localised. Yeah, the only thing you've got to be careful with the Frenchies is if, you know, they see themselves as a milling wheat growing nation. And if they're getting crap weather and they end up with lots of feed wheat, that's the thing that could pressure our market. But it's too it's too early for the Hagberg to be ruined, isn't it? It is too early for that. Unless it's all been flattened and it's lying yeah. there on the floor. But I, I have my doubts on that because yeah, rain fill isn't sufficiently through. <clears throat> I, I think a lot will depend on the finish. You know, and if you get a really good finish, then you'll get a much, much better kilowatt with what's left standing. The only crop that seems to be of a concern is the French malting barley crop. That good to excellent has gone down to 58% or 51%, whereas last year it was 80-odd percent at this time, mm. and the crop turned out as a disaster. But the finish was what ruined it. So maybe a poorer rating now, followed by a good lead into harvest, will give us a better crop and more you know, acceptance into the malting criteria. And on top of that, we're aware that the Danish crop looks exceptional, mm-hmm. the spring barley crop there. So that is going to be an influence that last year it failed largely. The yields weren't there. Now this year it is there, we think, at this moment. Roadside spring barleys look really good at the moment, I think, at the moment. <laughs> well, I haven't been into any, have I? But... It's like, you it's can like see like, them from your 4 by 4 can't you, Ian? It's like... It's like phrases that you don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just take for granted. Roadside, yeah, okay, right. So 60 mile an hour spring barley versus 30 yeah. mile an hour. While you're puffing on your vape thing on <laughs> your mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, drink driving home from the pub. Not that any of us do that. But yeah, the point being that our crop looks good. Europe largely, we feel, is in good condition okay. and coming home nicely at the moment. Yeah. No major heat issues on the immediate horizon, which is great. There's obviously a bigger Russian crop we've discussed because they've managed to find some extra silos that weren't there. <laughs> yeah, bigger Russian crop, yeah. It's been very hot and dry in Ukraine. It has, you know, but, you know... Good for tank movements. But, yeah, largely that, the Ukraine 
story is going to continue, the actual production in that country is going to continue hampered ongoing. So this coming harvest and the one we just had and the one in the future is going to be hampered by the dynamics of logistics problems and where the hell they're going to put the grain, which is logistics, but you know. Yeah. The other thing is Australia are saying that they could have another stonking wheat crop. Yeah. So US? That, where's the US at the moment? Well, I they're not out of the woods, are they? There are definite weather issues coming the corn crop has got a much better rating. It's ramping away, warm weather on top of moist soil. It's catching up. But as I understand it, there's a forecast saying it's going to be hot in July. Now, that's too early to definitely call that. But that's the one that gets the speculators jumping up and down on the corn crop. During oh, June, what? there's nothing immediately that's ruining that. Without an influence from there, I see that the market's still drifting. It's not big enough yeah. to make the market to that's it, that's it. it just feels like it will drift in a bit of a bearish sentiment through to July, and that's confirmation of wheat yields like the French crops. We'll see them by then. And that corn planting story. Yeah. And it's kind of if those two don't appear and you don't get that crap French wheat yield that people or the bulls might be hoping for, then, yeah, it's probably more quite a bit of downward pressure. What about China? Well, they're saying they're going to have a good wheat crop, but... Well, if you watch the, some of the news stories, there's people reporting that the Chinese have had a terrible harvest. Now, whether they're reporting an old harvest or something, I mean, the news are now got, you know, some young journalist gets the story, oh, the world, yeah, world wheat price, yeah. make it what you like. As I understood Food it, has become the thing. it looked like a really good crop to me. Whichever report it was that said this is a terrible wheat harvest in, in China <clears> were wrong. It looks from the satellite imagery that we saw, there is a good sized crop coming into China. Yeah. Is there anywhere else? South America. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, India. Heatwave, yeah. They've got a smaller crop. We know that one. That's part of what happened about three weeks ago. The price was pushed up on the basis of the Indians announcing they weren't going to export. And then the the next day they did a deal with Egypt. And now they are going to let more exports go. Because apparently some vessels have been sat in the port for almost a month full of wheat. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, and of course you've got ship owners going, I want to, you know, what the hell are you doing? So they're going to let more of that wheat go now. Good. That's very nice of them. Yeah, so good. That comes out onto the pitch. So there's nothing. The South American crop has had issues. We don't know enough about that, do we? We haven't looked that one up this morning. So we don't know. Whoever's screaming at their radio going, for goodness sake, you idiots, you should know this. We don't. There seems to be loads and loads of corn coming out of South America and it will be exported. And as long as the river's full, which they have problems with last year, no idea where that's at. But largely, all of the world weather at the moment appears to be in the favour of a slightly drifting Mm. to bearish market, which in itself we have the next influence to discuss. Now, again, I'm not ready for fuel yet. Can I jump in with, I think, the biggest influence or one of the big ones yeah but demand oh oh i'd go with that that's a you know i didn't write that in my in my little what are we going to talk about you must have had that in there no you can't have the mind he's, he's, he's the man it's my favorite subject demand destruction ian yeah. and i've been talking about this for a while you have it certainly does you, you speak to mates around the trade and the guys in the seat <clears> buying for the compounders and it seems quite bleak an outlook at the moment and this is on the basis of they can't make money because they haven't been paid enough. By the uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, it's that side. It's just more their customers just aren't in the market buying. You know, faced with high prices, do you want to buy the forwards or will you buy it when you have to buy it, I think is the mode. So what I'm saying is that the animal producers, is what you're talking about, they are in a position where they can't make that commitment because on a piece of paper it's a loss. Yeah, and not only that. We know of talking to various flour customers that some bakeries 
are just saying, look, flat price is too high. There's no point me, I can't sell the products I'm baking, so there's no point me doing it. This is demand destruction. Outside the capital, people aren't prepared to pay £4.50 for a loaf of artisan bread, are they? <laughs> no. People have a sense of realism, don't they? Yeah. Well, realism stroke. I... Is, is a sourdough considered an artisan bread? Yes. Hang on a minute. Are you having artichokes and olive oil smeared on sourdough bread? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Thought so. But no, in all, all seriousness, demand destruction, I think we, we have and are seeing that. And so what that means is production is going up and consumption, the consumer, will be buying less grain because there will ultimately be less of their product bought by their customers. Yes. Which means there is a bigger surplus. Here's an interesting question. So if you were sitting in the chair and you were buying on behalf of a consumer, what level is your you know, your target? What would you want to be buying wheat at? 275, no futures. Yeah. It's 20 odd quid away, 30 quid away. Yeah. But that would be my target. It can be a target. I might never hit it, but that's where I would sort of set my own psychological level. I've got no reason to tell you why that is that level, other than it's a round figure. What about you? Don't think you're far off there. I don't think there's any pressure. If you're a buyer, there wouldn't. I wouldn't see the immediate pressure to jump in to buy it. Two twenty. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's move on to other influences. Currency, right? Ben, this is your specialist subject. Yes, yeah, sterling has been on a real roller coaster, and the funny thing was that sterling actually rallied when people thought Boris Johnson was going to get ousted, mm-hmm. which shows that not even the city likes him. But we are, yeah. With the euro is firm. Sterling is relatively weak and shows no sign of recovering. Yeah, so the, the prospects, what is the UK's prospects? How do we get out of this? Well, uh, apparently we're going to have the worst growth mm-hmm. and the only other country that's going to have worse growth than us is Russia. But how, yeah, no, no it was on, I agree. Yeah. No, I saw See, Webby's laughing, but how sad no. is that? The reality is we are as a country in a muddle, aren't we? We have yeah. people are not going to be able to afford food and there are genuine cases coming on saying... We can't afford to, you know, people aren't boiling potatoes and cooking it. They're buying cold stuff. There was a, a lady on Radio 4 this morning who runs a petrol station and she said, my tanks in my petrol station, they used to empty every week. It's now taking three weeks because the price is so high. So there we go. You're seeing that demand destruction in petrol now. I mean, it's very prevalent on the news this morning, you know, £2 or what, £100 to fill a car. That'll be, you know, £350 to... Phil Webby's. Webby's, yeah. He hasn't really got one of them, by the way. He's, you know, <laughs> crikes. Have a, yeah, planet hater coming against. <laughs> so how do we get out of it and save the planet? Well, price destruction on diesel or petrol is a good thing for the planet, is it not? The fact people can't afford to eat is another story, but... <laughs> no, but that's the point, isn't it? <clears throat> yes. Yes, it'll help with weight loss, high food prices. The fuel is bought in dollars, the pound is weak against it, so it's going to get worse purely from the prospects of the UK's economy. Yeah, and ultimately I think, you know, there will be millions of journeys undertaken in the UK every year by people who are driving their kids 10 minutes down the road to school. That won't happen anymore. And this will happen. Those journeys will drop out and we'll see demand destruction on fuel. How long it takes to come through, I don't know. But that will reduce demand. All right, which leads on to the next question, right? Labour shortages. There's loads and loads of jobs out there to be had, and they can't put the two things together. There's lots of people unemployed, lots of people who aren't registered as unemployed, because they are only registered if they're actually actively seeking work. And several people are not actively seeking work, so they're not registered as unemployed. They're still not doing the jobs. How does the UK change that one? Because we haven't got people to do <coughs> basic stuff, have we? 
No, and we had a really, really good workforce that came in from the EU and other parts of the globe, and it's just not happening. Well, in the long run, the argument from the Brexiteers was that that would solve the employment issue because we would employ our own people and therefore we wouldn't need the cheap labour and we'd be fine. So luckily, Brexit has saved us on that one. (laughs) No, except, except for the airports and the customs control and the new things you have to do to go abroad. Well, again, that's an environmentally saving factor. Yeah, Brexit saved the planet again. Yeah. I want to see people get really emotional if I mention the word Brexit, because in no way, I've got to make it very clear to everybody that in no way has Brexit done any harm to this country whatsoever. The export of chicken, the bits of chicken that you lot don't like eating, i.e. the legs and anything that isn't the breast, can no longer be exported to Europe because we've had bird flu. And I wow, that's typical of those Europeans. They've had bird flu. How dare they not take our chicken on the basis of their rules, which are very clear. And yet their chicken, breast, because we pay a premium for it, comes in without being checked, and they've had bird flu as well. But luckily, that's a good deal for the consumer in Britain. And there is bucket loads now of legs and wings and chicken meat beginning to stockpile in the UK. So the answer to that will be they will be sold cheaply to somebody who makes something out of it. That's another problem solved, isn't it? No comments on that, you're just smiling at me. <laughs> danger, danger, Andrew's going off on one. Actually, it's an interesting story about labour shortages. I spoke to my father-in-law, who used to be in the soft fruit business, and he said last year, when the pandemic was on, yep. there was a campaign to get local pickers of fruit. All right? So the first week, they went into Norwich, and they had a big campaign, on it, big advertising thing. They had 50 people to come out. Now, the demand from the UK supermarket to have super fresh product, because you know, you've got to have super fresh product nowadays to be that, you know, this makes someone work at three in the morning to make sure that someone in Chelsea gets a fresh strawberry. Good, good plan. <coughs> However, so the first week, they had 50 people who signed up. The following Monday, one week in, have a guess how many people turned up of the original. Sub 10. Just have a specific figure, please. Oh, eight. I'm going to say zero. Six. Six. Because... The supermarkets wanted them in at 5.30 and everyone went, nah, not doing that. A bit tired. It's like you, Ian. But luckily, luckily... I did, I did that growing up. The critical issue is that what wasn't accounted for in the consideration of we're going to solve our labour problem is the reality of our workforce. Our country is a wealthy country and we all have luxurious items as a matter of course and we expect things to be given to us all the time. They should be available at all times. No one's prepared to do the really crappy jobs mm. or the jobs that actually mean getting up at 5.30 and picking strawberries. So even how much you paid them, you still wouldn't get enough people to do it. It just wouldn't happen. And there's a whole load of jobs, you know, which clearly in the great white piece of paper that those who must not be mentioned by their name wrote down and said, this is going to solve all our issues. It's very, very clear that the labour calculation was wrong. Mm. So feel free to do your usual abuse, Brexiteers. Anyway... Moving on, so the currency is, in my view, shagged. I think we're not. We're going to see a weaker and weaker pound for the foreseeable future. And because of the government's predicament and lack of belief in the leader, I think we, it's, going to, it's going to drag on until at least the next election. They will lose those seats. You know, you can put all your money on that. They won't get through with those. I think I would be very surprised if he was still there in one year's time. I think he's just... But, I mean, I get told off again by very, very conservative supporting people about, you know, our wonderful country and our wonderful Prime Minister. Yeah, I'm looking at this analytically. 
The only thing that annoys me is the obsession of the, particularly the BBC, to continually go on and on and on about there were 148 voting against him. They are not accepting the vote, they are not accepting the dynamics of democracy, and they're going to go at him until they get rid of him. And I don't think it's their job. I think the democracy, if the Conservative Party haven't got enough neck or honesty to actually recognise the dynamic of what they should be doing... That's their problem, but we need to give them support to get on with it and not continually go on undermining, undermining with the fact that he did win the vote in the Conservative Party. Yeah, and if those are the people who decide who leads us, that's it. Yeah, agree with that. Right. So, right, moving on, moving on. What else can influence our market? Is All it on your to... list? Can I talk about CF? Yes, go on. CF is... Well, the closing of the fertiliser plant in the UK. Yep. Here we go, massive multinational company, doesn't really have, you know, it's worked out that the plant's not viable, so they'll shut it. So, where does that leave you? What nationality is the people who own that? Just for clarity there, that's not them pulling out of the UK, is it? It's just, was it a plant? They've got two plants and they've closed one. Okay, and who, which company owns this site? They're American. Oh, that's good, go. yeah. Good job we're going to do a good trade deal with them. Yes, we are about to do a trade so, deal with yeah, them. Yeah, we really are. Nancy Pelosi told us so. Anyway, so that has a big implication for 2023 harvest. The guys that have bought fertiliser, I think, have done the right thing. Um, and sold grain as a hedge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, at the moment. Not many have done that, though. Not enough. And no. boy, oh boy, have we been telling them to do it. Yeah. On the podcast, via app, and by telephone call. So anyone who says, it's like... Yes, we did. It's yep. just that 270 wasn't enough, was it? Right, export. Let's talk about export. Because the UK has a surplus. There's demand destruction. There's a bigger crop. We will have an exportable surplus. At the moment, we're not competitive. Where do we need to be to be competitive? How out of sync with the market are we? I reckon you would trade feed barley fob... You would definitely trade at £25 under the futures price. So okay. the futures just traded at 300 quid, 275 fob, £5 load of fob cargo, £10 to haul it there, 260 You're talking 255 odd, yeah, off the farm. Right. Yeah. That's not enough. It's got to be 300 Who bought that bloke in? Yeah, anyway, so <laughs> that is the value of it if we exported it, and we do need to export it at this point. That's a fact. Is it a sell? I mean, four or five weeks from now, we're in harvest, aren't we? Harvest pressure coming up. There will be people that we'd be having to sell it. But in against feed barley, consumers aren't bidding for it. I don't know why you would until harvest comes. I just will say to both of you by looking at you, 255 for feed barley. It's a lot, I know. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In case anyone's forgotten about the £100 that we're sitting on top of. On top of... Yeah, right. Okay. French is cheaper. And everyone is waiting. There have been a few cargoes traded this week prior to the drop. Of what, sorry? Feed barley, barley into Spain, apparently. Yeah. So there's been, there are a few buyers into Ipswich and Yarmouth and, and whatever in, in East Anglia and Tilbury. So there is some trade done. So that is, means we're going to ship some out, which is great. It's a yeah. good start. The more we get out of the country, the better it is for the UK farmers. So the trade is functioning and they have made some sales on it. Wheat is currently valued around about... £10 on the future would be the buying the value. Bit, yeah. Yeah. So harvest would be somewhere in the region of 285 hopefully. 280 to 285 So you've got to take off the loading times of 5 delivered. quid, 10 quid haulage nowadays. 270 ish Yeah, that's the point. Haulage prices have just gone up again. 
And freight rates will have gone up. Yeah, revisiting so, yeah. all of the things that we, <laughs> we kind of were shocked when it went from, you know, £6.50 haulage to 8 Now it's 8 to 10 and it's like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. But when you actually bid a farmer and he's expecting £7 under the North Futures basis and you're going, no, it's well, it's between ten and fifteen pounds under in reality. Yeah, and it's like, oh, why is that? Yeah, because because have you, no, you haven't watched the news, have you? And also, corn is cheaper as well. You know, so the underlying feed grain price is cheaper around Europe. So we're in a situation where export isn't going to save us at the moment. If we rocket downwards, there'll be a place where we can export. Yeah, but it has got movement to the downside, assuming that everything comes for sale. And at the moment, there is more sellers and buyers until Vlad does something new. Yeah, that's it, exactly. If Vladimir Putin does something completely left field, the market will rally. It that, will rally again. But it feels like that's our only hope, other than a bit of American weather. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. yeah. So the next thing, what else can influence the market? The dynamics of physical, logistical movement. Mm. You know, if you have a grain store and a dryer, you are under no pressure whatsoever. You can make a long-term, rational view if you haven't, last harvest, because harvest pressure was always a joke that supposedly didn't happen anymore. You know, there's always oh, there's, oh, there's loads of places yeah. for it to go. There were smaller crops for two or three years, and there is an absolutely no pressure. As far as harvest movement is concerned, we are in a situation where there is a big crop coming, and there is less demand, and I truly think, without export going on, there could be some trouble. I mean, I'm bound to say that, as I've said, as a storekeeper, trying to fill my stores, but the reality is... We haven't got the export to save the day. We haven't had a, a year where there is a surplus. You know, we've had shortages of grain, which meant we could cope with it. And in, in last year in particular, we just about ran out the previous year. So the consumers were taking it from day one very hungrily. This year, there will be a surplus at year end. There's no export, certainly for wheat yet, a bit of barley, yes. But underlyingly, we've got to come to a place where we can export because we've got a surplus. Yeah, and also there is going to be pressure on haulage. If we get this big crop, the pressure on haulage is going to be enormous. Yeah, and there must be a few more hauliers still struggling to find drivers. Yeah, yeah, we've got hauliers struggling to find drivers. Yeah, you're right. And so logistic management is going to become all the more important, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, we're going to get people on the phone, aren't we, screaming at us, why haven't you moved it, why haven't you moved it? But it will come down to the fact that we just won't have the wheels. Well, let's look at this another way round. At the moment, the price for harvest is good, isn't it? The futures are getting a pounding while we're recording because we just ran out of battery on our recording equipment, so we had to stop halfway through and put the battery in. We went outside and the market's just traded at 2.97 on the North Futures. So we did predict it going down at the start of this podcast and we can have instant gratification as we... 300x now looks quite distant, doesn't it? 2.87 on the farm. Yeah, and we're paying £10 under the futures and others are paying less than that. So, yeah, absolutely. But the point is, 287, that's for November. Yeah. You know, so we're 277 for Harvest X Farm. Yeah. Depending on how far you are from our store. So what is a poor price? That's obviously now a poor price relative to the best moment. It really isn't, though, is it? Well, that's it's the key. There's the message. Price, I might give any message, and I'll get told off if the market goes through the roof because of Vlad. But the reality is, this market is still incredibly high relatively to where we expect it to be with the cost of growing what we had. And if this crop is going to be a bigger crop, the fact it's dropped 10 quid today is not as much of a loss as the increase in yield if it does come. I think anyone can get the message we're giving to them. I feel nervous about prices for farmers. I feel if I was a consumer, I would wait. But 
next Monday morning when we walk in the door, it could be £20 up again because Brad's bombed another grain site or he's done something dastardly. Or the weather could turn in one of these key regions. Okay, should we sign off? We haven't got any beer this week. We're out of beer. We're teetotal. I'd just like to prompt a few people. If you've had a pool price, we are looking to put a little pool table, yeah, a table of pools together. Scott Welcome knows about pool tables and losing heavily. Pools. <laughs> if you've got your Octec and Jan March pool prices, with utter discretion, we will not give anybody's name or any particular details. It would be really interesting to see how people performed. It's touched a nerve with a few, which makes me want to do it even more. There is a very, very amusing side to this, and there's also quite a scary one, because if someone has done a real howler it's going to take a bit of embarrassment isn't it but do you know what there is absolutely no recourse for performance in that sector and i suspect there's one company or two who consistently don't perform and maybe raising the awareness of that might just raise the game all right i forgive anyone who's upset by that but i think it's the right thing to do you happy with that chaps or not is this a naming and shaming exercise I'm not going to name the farmer who sends the details in. No, but I, I mean, will have a no, I, mean, I will have a league gonna, table. I'll just see how bad it is. Defense, yeah. It might just make one pool manager go. Oh, I better not shave a bit more off that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I'm looking forward to this one. You are. We've yes, had well. a few sent in already, haven't we? So. We have. Yeah, we're feeling quite good about ourselves. Aren't we? <laughs> anyway, so right with that, I'm off on a crop tour. I'm going to go to Scotland oh, yeah. where it's raining. Yeah. Good luck, Andrew. Eat yeah. some haggis. No. Oh. I go up there and convert the Nicola Sturgeon believers into... Uh, oh, no. Do you know how much tax I pay you every day? <laughs> <laughs> Make there. sure you yeah fill your car up. Well, we'll have to two or three times. That'll be that Ooh. this month's salary gone, won't it? But, <laughs> hey, you know, it's better than going to France and queuing at Stansa for four and a half years, isn't it? So, with that, enjoy the time without me. Over to you. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.